this week on the Hab Forum. Uh, we're, uh, the Stanley Cup has been given away. Uh, a, a few, uh, one former Habs player, one player that used to be with the Habs uh, won the Cup. So some Habs fans are frustrated about that. So we'll touch on that a little bit. But the Cup being won does mean that we're finally moving into talking about the draft and free agency coming up. I think a lot of trades are going to start happening, which is very, very exciting. Great news also since the last podcast, Jeff Petrie staying in Montreal. I think every Habs fan that actually watches the games has to be happy about that. He's been pretty much one of the brightest spots on the team the last few years. A few more things to touch about when it comes to trade and things like that. And stick around till the end of the podcast. We have an interview with another returnee in Costa Ronzokos speaking with Dustin about the draft and, of course, the the Petrie contract. Uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at the Habs Forum. But before we get going, Dustin, I think, is there a sponsor? That's right. We're still brought to you by Manscaped.com and the new Lawnmower 3.0. A great product, and all their products are really great. We've uh, had the opportunity to try them out. Uh, so, guys, use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. Again, check them out. It's uh, they got some really good products. You know, we're uh, we're back to being quarantined, at least here in Montreal. So, you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend would uh, would definitely appreciate it. Hey, speaking of other good products, those boxers—they're some of the best boxers I've used. I hope they sell them on the website. Uh, I, I haven't seen them on the website, but on, honestly, the best box, like the most comfortable boxes I've ever owned in my life. Anti-shaping boxers. They're awesome. There you go. So get some of those if you can too. So let's get started. Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup. So obviously the Canadians weren't involved. I mean, I, I it was kind of a nice team to see win the cup. I thought just because of how kind of disgraced they were last year with getting swept by by Columbus. And even though they're in the division, I don't know about you, but I've never felt any sort of kind of like rivalry or hatred or whatever towards Tampa Bay. No, not really. I mean, you know, they, they, they've really done a great job. I mean, you have to admit of building the team. I mean, you know, they've built, they, they've drafted really well. They've signed a lot of great free agents as well. I mean, you just got to take a look at guys like Yanni Gord, and guys, they've drafted guys like Braden Point, Kucherov. I mean, yeah, you know, they, they've really built the team the right way. I mean, the way that a team should be built. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, the way that the Canadians are, you know, maybe in the process of doing, hopefully uh, hopefully they can get to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning's level in the next couple of years. So so, so this is a Habs podcast after all, but the the, the, the big thing the Habs fans are talking about with, with this is that Two of their main players on the blue line once were part of the Montreal Canadiens organization. So Ryan McDonough never played for the Canadiens, but he was part of an infamous trade for the Canadiens. Now, we can't blame uh, Bergeron for this. Uh, this was before his time, but the trade that brought Scott Gomez to uh, to Montreal. Uh, even though McDonough had never played in the NHL, I remember at the time being pretty unhappy about the trade because we knew McDonough was going to be good. But I, I see some fans on Twitter bringing up like that, that McDonough's on the team. McDonough was a long time ago. He played with the Rangers first and then went to Tampa. But even if the Canadians didn't make that trade, he probably wouldn't be on the Canadians anymore, like realistically, like with player movement and all that. But seeing Sergachev lift the pot, lift the cup there, if, with the way – I mean, Dwayne has done okay, but, man, I wish I had Sergachev still on this team. Not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, he definitely seems to be what the Canadians need right now. Of course, yeah. I mean, that left-handed defenseman, puck-moving, offensive defenseman. 
I mean, again, you know, I've, I've said it many times on the podcast before. We've talked about it before, uh, you know, even off the show. That, uh, you know, I mean, I uh, would Sergeyev be the same defenseman with the Canadians that he is with the Lightning? You know, I mean, they, they obviously have a much better team than, than the Canadians do. So I, I'm not convinced that he would be the same defenseman that he is now, necessarily. Um, you know, I mean, even when he was drafted, he was, you know, obviously a highly tended defenseman. His The first training camp that he had here in Montreal, he was great. So, you know, we saw definitely flashes that potentially played a couple of games, even with the Canadians, if I'm not mistaken, three or four games. Something like that. So yeah, yeah, he he played a handful of games with the Canadians. Yeah, I mean, so right off the bat, he definitely showed the potential. But again, I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, he he's he turned out to be this uh, this great defenseman with the Lightning. Would it have been the same thing with the Canadians? Who knows? And I mean, I think I, I still think Dubois has the potential. I mean, he's shown flashes. He was great at the beginning of last season. He had uh, something like eight, I think, fifteen points in his first eighteen games. And before he unfortunately got injured, and obviously he struggled with the injury even after coming back. So I think you know if if he can get back to the level where I definitely think that he can play on. I mean, I I really don't think it's as bad of a trade as as a lot of the fans think it is. And I mean, just just look. I mean, he's he was a leading scorer for the Canadians in the playoffs, or at least tied for the for the lead. So. And the the thing is too, people love talking about this trade. Obviously, it's going to come up more now that they won the cup, but. That it's because also it's the it's the one trade that really as far as recent trades that you can really hold against Bergevin, right? Because aside from that, I mean, as much as I wasn't happy about the PK Subban trade, more so because I loved Subban than dislike Weber. I was doing Weber a really good player. With the decline Subban has seen uh, in his career and Weber just still being the same Shea Weber really hasn't really slowed down much. I think most people have kind of stopped complaining about that trade. And then all the other great trades, it was getting uh, Dano for nothing, get, getting uh, Suzuki in the Pacioretty trade along with Tatar. Like all these other great trades, the one bad one, quote unquote, that you can call a bad one in, in recent history is, is the sergeyev Drouin trade. But what's actually kind of interesting, I remember when that trade happened and People liked the trade. People weren't. People thought Sergeyev was going to be good, but I'm sure there's some people that didn't like it at the time. But people were excited to have Drouin on the team. It's it's like the Domi trade is the one that people didn't like, and then that worked out well for the Canadians. But I mean, realistically, it sucks not to have Sergeyev anymore. But you're always making taking a risk when you trade guys like that trying to improve your team and. It was a risk. May have not worked out. I agree with you. I'm not giving up on on Drouin yet. You know, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, I'm fine with Tampa Bay winning the cup. I mean, I'm 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 happy for them. Honestly, it it must have been rough last year. And I definitely don't agree with. I think it was Damian Cox seeing saying that this should have an asterisk. The only reason this cup should have an asterisk is to say that this this was a harder Stanley Cup to win. Uh, I can't imagine going this long in just complete seclusion not being able to do anything really or see anyone aside from your teammates constantly. Uh, I don't think this was an easier cup by any stretch of the imagination. No, definitely not. I mean, Damien Cox, we, I mean, if anyone, if you follow him on Twitter, you know how much of an idiot he is. I mean, he's all, always full of terrible takes. He's, he's probably one of the worst out there along with like, uh, what the hell's that other guy's name? Simmons there. The other guy that works for TSN. Oh, the Toronto guy. Yeah. yeah. Steve Simmons. What's that? Is it Steve? I think it's Steve Simmons. Yeah, Steve Simmons. Yeah. They're both equally awful. Probably as bad as Brandon Kelly uh, from the Gazette. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I definitely – it definitely wasn't easier. I don't know if it was hard. I mean, it was – I don't know if it was It's just harder. different. It's different. Yeah, just different. Definitely not easier, though. And I thought – you know, you, you just talked about the Drouin trade and how a lot of people were excited. How many trades – like, yeah, I definitely – I remember the day that, that that trade went down and everybody was super pumped about it. You know, Drouin for a while had been sort of – this player that the Canadians fans had wanted to go out and get. And, and he had had a really strong playoff performance either exactly. one year before or something like that. Like he had some recent good performance before the trade. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, and he was tearing it. He, he played a lot in the AHL that year. I remember I, I was in Syracuse uh, for one of the games that they played and he was, he was by far the best player on the ice on in, in that game. And he, I remember he scored a goal like top shelf on the power play. It was just a beautiful goal. And I mean, so, you know, I, that's one of the only trades that I think back that when it happened, Canadians fans were like unanimously, unanimously happy about it. Like you think yeah. about to, to all the other trades that, you know, like, like you said, the Subban trade, everybody hated it. Even the Pacioretty trade, a lot of people were like, oh, that's all we got for Pacioretty. So, you know, this is this was probably the one of the only trades that unanimously was like everyone was happy about it and it's the one trade that maybe people aren't so happy about it now it just goes to show that you know you never know what's going to happen especially when you're trading young guys like this you know it's a bit of a crapshoot at the end of the day yeah exactly i mean and and you you have to if you take if you take no risks you're never going to have success and this was a risk that maybe in the end didn't necessarily uh pay off for him but it it might not be as bad as uh uh, as we think it is so anyways moving on Back to the current state of Montreal Canadiens, I think a, a move that we we've talked about before that because we talked at the trade deadline when it was time to whether we should trade Petrie or Tatar. I mean, you've said multiple times that this team would take a huge step back if they lo- lost Jeff Petrie. He seemingly just keeps getting better, but a very very team friendly deal at four years, six point two five million. I mean, you can't be mad at that deal at all. It's a fantastic deal for the Canadians. Uh, it's a ridiculous contract, quite frankly. Like, and it just goes to show, like, how much Jeff Petrie wanted to stay here. Obviously, I mean, you, you see his wife regularly on social media. Him and his family love it here. His wife is, you know, frequently in the community doing charity work with, uh, especially with with uh, with Angela Price. So I'm not surprised that he wanted to stay here. But the deal is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, I thought, yeah, he he's not young, obviously. I think he's uh, 32 years old. Uh, he, uh, he's going to be 37 by the end of this deal. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a little bit older, but he, I mean, like you said, he definitely hasn't shown any signs yet of slowing down. If anything, he keeps getting better. I mean, sh- just take a look at Shea Weber. He's, he's what, I think 36 now, and he's definitely, no, 30, 35. And it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon either. So, I mean, you got to love this contract. I thought he might've even got more years. And I mean, 6.25 is, is, is crazy. I thought he could on the open market, at least 7 million. And I wouldn't even have been surprised like seven and a half million. So, now, the, I mean, the, the, the one question mark though, is this just a sign of things to come with the flat cap, with the whole COVID-19 thing? Is this a super 
team-friendly contract from a player that just wants to stay in Montreal, considers Montreal home, which which we do know is true. Like He's been open about not wanting to leave, considering this is home, not wanting to uproot his family. So it makes sense that he signs a cheaper contract, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if part of it is maybe contracts are going to be a bit lower than we thought it was going to they, they they would be if, if it wasn't for, for for this situation, right? Maybe players are, are, are willing to maybe take a bit less money for a bit more security since there's so much uncertainty with how things are going to go in the next few years. Yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. <laughs> it's it's going it's, mean, it's tough to say how teams are going to react because I mean, this is, this is new to everyone. Right. Um, yeah. I think maybe not. I think it's especially going to be lengthwise that teams are going to be really scared to, to give out a lot of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we know a lot of a lot of teams are are pretty tight to the cap already. So, I mean, some of those guys, and I mean, you just got to think about Taylor Hall, even you know a guy like uh, like Tory Krug, guys that are hoping to cash in big time. It's going to be tough for any team to really offer them the money that they're probably worth, and you know they're probably not going to get the amount of years definitely that they're hoping for. So it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, we know the Canadians have quite a bit of cap room compared to other teams. So it's, uh, I mean, I definitely think they have the flexibility to do something, but yeah, free agency, it's it's going to be a weird one this year for sure. And and probably for the next couple of years. Um, so another contract then for the Canadians that's worth talking about, it's been doing headlines recently. I think that's going to be with a next year that I think most Habs fans would not want to lose this player as Brendan Gallagher. So uh, the, 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 there's talk, there was talk rumors that there might be contract talks happening right now that would maybe make him the best played uh, the 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 highest paid uh, Montreal Canadiens forward. Now this the headline of him becoming the highest paid Montreal Canadiens forward. It just it seems like a big headline. But when you look at the forwards, Drouin's getting paid 5.5, so it just means he's getting paid more than that. And with the stats Gallagher's had over the years, he he of course will get at least that. You know. Yeah. So I mean, that, yeah, that obviously goes without saying that he's going to get more than 5.5 million. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what amount he does get. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I think six, six million for sure. I mean, maybe seven million. Um, but I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to give Gallagher. I don't think more than seven million. As much as I love Gallagher, he is one player though that it does worry you whether or not he's going to slow down. He has had some injury issues here and there. Uh, throughout his career, just the way he plays. But at the same time, it feels so heartless to even say that because the way he plays is he just goes as hard as he can at every, on every shift, and that's why he, he puts his body through uh, through so much. So, And Bergman recently said in, in that, that interview he did uh, a few weeks ago that uh, Gallagher is more than just the points he put on puts on the board, which is absolutely true because – in the most recent playoffs, we saw that very clear, where he had a few rough games and he had no goals that just wasn't going in for him, and then he just started a game going nuts. Like the energy he was is providing, and even though he didn't score right away, he ended up scoring later on in that game. He clearly was the leader on that on the team on that day, and it's well, just I've, something you can't lose. No, exactly. I mean, the energy that he brings to the team. The grit that he brings to the team. I mean, you know, he's, he's really one of the most gritty, if not the grittiest players on the Montreal Canadiens, even, you know, despite the fact that he's the best, probably the best scorer on the Canadiens as well. I mean, yeah, he brings so much more to this team than just scoring. And already he brings a lot of scoring. You know, he's a, 
potential 30 goal scorer. Um, you know, he's done it in the past. I mean, he's, yes, it, it would be tough to see him, to see him go. And, you know, I mean, I think, I don't think anyone's going to argue when Shea Weber does eventually retire. Gallagher's assuming he's still here is definitely going to be the next captain of the Canadian. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I would say he is a 30 goal scorer. He, he, he played before this season, which was obviously a, a shorter season. He had back-to-back 30 goal seasons. And this year he had 22 goals in 59 games. Uh, definitely realistic in those. Well, it would have been a, a strong way to finish to to get to, no realistic to get the extra eight goals in the year. So definitely a thirty goal score, I would say right right now. It's just uh, thirty goal scores aren't cheap. You know, you're gonna have to pay those okay. guys. Yeah, it's just it's it's really the amount of the amount of years that's a little, you know, like you said, because of the way that he plays, you got to be a little bit nervous that can he keep it up? You know, he's not the biggest guy either. Is yeah. you know is, is eventually the wear and tear going to get to him? Um, but I mean, you know, he really, you know, despite the injuries that he has had in the last, uh, you know, the last couple of years, uh, the back-to-back hand injuries that he had really hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Even when we thought that, you know, is is, is he ever going to be able to, especially after the second time that he injured his hand, is he going to get back to? Will he be able to get back to that? You know, to, yeah. to the player that he used to be. And if anything, he's probably even looked better. Absolutely, absolutely. So. So, 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 so we know he can, and those injuries all, I, I wouldn't necessarily call him injury prone because there were fluky injuries, right? Like there wasn't one, just a blocked shot. It wasn't actually Shea Weber that shot him in the hand. Yeah. And, well, I think there were both yeah. blocked shots actually. Well, yeah. one of them was from Shea Weber and I, I think the other one might've just been blocking the other team shot. But yeah, if, if I, if I remember correctly, both of them were from blocked shots. And I mean, if anyone gets hit by a Shea Weber slap shot, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, it, it's just one of those things. Sometimes players are just unlucky. And lately he's been a little less unlucky when it comes to these things. I mean, he, he we say this after he ended the playoffs, uh, unfortunately getting, uh, getting injured, but that, that was, that was just a dirty play essentially, right. That, that, that caused that jaw injury. So, I mean, I think we'll all be happy if, if Gallagher signs and I, and honestly, I'd love it to be a, a situation like Jeff Petrie where the, the, we're not, I don't want to talk about it all all next season. Basically, I would love for it to get resolved sooner rather than later, uh, and just kind of re-establish that he is the heart and soul of the team, and the team respects that. He he's basically captain like two on this team. You know, like you said, he he would be the obvious captain if it wasn't for Shea Weber. You know, who was considered as one of the best leaders in the NHL. Exactly. And and I don't think, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I could easily see Bergevin and Gallagher, you know, getting this done before the season even starts. So I, I'm really not too worried about it. And it fits, too, with even though because like with this Petrie contract and this Gallagher contract and we have some young players on the team, but we also have some older players on the team. And that's just kind of where your team, the situation your team needs to be in when you do a push. And I do think we're at, we're at that point to do the push. And, and Bergeron recently says, like, I mean, it's no secret he's always trying to improve the team. He's willing to move. So basically, he said in that interview from two weeks ago that we covered that he doesn't want to move the key young players that are already contributing to the team. A guy like Kotkaniemi, a guy like Suzuki. And he, he even included a guy like Romanov because he's already penciled into the lineup even though he hasn't played for the Canadians. So these aren't young players he wants to move, but he said that he's willing to have uh, to, to, to move some prospects and even the first round pick to go get that player that could bring the team over the top. So players that haven't made the team, a guy like Cole Caulfield or Norlander who's looked great. I mean, we would hate to lose those guys, but 
the idea seems to be that he's willing to move those pieces along with a first-round pick for a big trade. I mean, we love our prospects here on the podcast, but I'm definitely happy to hear that personally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's what you want to see see him do. You and you want to see him have confidence in the team. You want to see him, you know, be be confident in you know potentially making a move. Um, you know, I mean, I think you know the Canadians showed in this playoffs. I mean, you know, be, by beating the Penguins and being very competitive with the Flyers, that you know the the young guys are looking really good. The veterans are still playing at a very high level. And I mean, you know, they might be just one or two good pieces away from making a serious run. So, I mean, if they can go, you know, go out and get a guy like, I don't know if I don't think it's going to happen again, going to get line a, but I mean, even if, you know, if they could get a guy like Goudreau or, uh, or, uh, Ehlers from, uh, from Winnipeg, I mean, it's going to take a lot of assets to get that done, but man, that, that would be huge. And I think, you know, if the Canadians got a guy like that, added to the players that they already have guys like Suzuki, Kakinemi, yeah. Gallagher. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty solid lineup right there. I think the elite sniper is really what brings this team over the top at this point. A guy like not like the, uh, like it would be a dream to get on, on, on this team really. But uh, the, the problem with a guy like Liney is they, they, the, the jets aren't going to want to hear, Oh, you don't want to move Suzuki, Kakinemi and Romanov. Like they don't care that you, like they're going to want one of those guys. I don't think the the next level prospects that aren't NHL ready are going to be uh, interesting to them. So I think that's why uh, LeBron re- reported that the Canadians are most likely not going to be in the sweepstakes. Now, there's other rumors that are saying they are in on it. But of all the rumors I've seen, the most the one I trust the most is definitely LeBron. And he said we're not. So Exactly. Go yeah. We're not. yeah. And I don't think it makes sense for Winnipeg to you know, to move a guy like line a for, you know, a bunch of prospects, you know, guys that can't play for the plant can't play on the Jets over the next year or two. You know, I mean, they're, they're they've got a pretty solid team. And if they're going to move out line a from their lineup, they're definitely going to want, you know, at least one or two guys that can make solid contributions for the Jets right off the bat. Exactly. So, they're going to want young players that can help right now, which are the exact type of players Bergman said he doesn't want to move. So it's you need to talk more to teams that are looking to do a proper rebuild. So unless the Jets want to, like they have a great young core, like it doesn't make sense. It's just like the fact that they want to move Liney is weird to me to, to begin with. I'm, I'm assuming it's just issues with contract talks and all that. Uh, because you'd think they'd want a, a guy similar to Liney coming back, basically. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it, it really is weird. I mean, it's not not every day that a team wants to trade. Uh, you know, a 21 year old guy that can score 40 goals. Yeah. Um, so, so it is, it, it definitely is a weird situation, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the price to go get a guy like line would be absolutely ridiculous and, and definitely not a, not a price that Bergevin is going to be willing to trade. And in a perfect world, they sign Taylor Hall and then they can use those assets to make a different change on the team. You know, I you mean, yeah, I think going to get Taylor Hall, that would, that for me is probably the ideal situation. Um, you know, how much is it going to cost? Is he willing to come here? How many years would the Canadians have to give up for him? Um, you know, it's, it's a good question, but I mean, that, I think that would be great. I mean, you know, get a guy like Taylor Hall and not have to give up any assets. That, that would be fantastic. And uh, the other trade rumor, big, big trade rumor here, big surprise. Charles Udon on the block. I mean, I don't think this is uh, too surprising, but I mean, I hope they find a new suitor for uh, uh, for Hudon, like if you get a team that he can play on. That 
But like, is the, are the Canadians going to get anything for him? Just like a, a fifth round pick, basically. I mean, yeah, something something like that. I mean, I definitely don't think. Uh, you know, I, I I think he can play in the NHL. I think you know he he can play. You know, for one of the one of the bottom bottom feeders, you know, a team like Arizona or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he could definitely may, you know play on 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 a couple of teams in the NHL. Um, yeah, you're obviously not going to get much for him. And I mean, sort of the same thing where I think uh, sort of the same situation that I think we're in right now with Charlie Lindgren. I think he could maybe be in the NHL, uh, you know, a backup goaltender. Uh, but I think he would be valued by by a lot of teams as a solid number three option. Um, you know where the where the Canadians have Primo. So I mean, I think Lingren's basically number four here in Montreal. I think he he could offer a, a team solid depth and be a good starter in the yeah, NHL. Yeah, but there, there's there's players like Lingren, goaltenders like Lingren, available for free constantly. I mean, it's not you're not going to get anything for Lingren. No, well, I think basically what what's going to happen is, and it's going to be the same thing for Chalidon. You're either going to get like a seventh round pick, or probably more likely you're going to have to move a contract for a contract. So you're going to get a guy that can help the rocket. So, you know, sort of, uh, sure. um, you know, like a trade where uh, like sort of last year where the, when the Canadians traded Michael McCarron to uh, to Nashville for Laurent Dauphin, you know, it's yeah, basically yeah, yeah. It's going to be the same sort of thing where a guy that maybe could use a bit of a change of scenery, a, a prospect that maybe was like a first or second round pick three or four years ago and hasn't hit his potential. You know, you can maybe see if he can maybe, be a little bit better in Laval and maybe down the road be a bottom, you know, fourth liner for the Canadians, which I think Dauphin, that, that trade actually worked out pretty well. I think Dauphin could actually make the Canadians this year. But at the end of the day, it's most likely for players that it's not going to make a big change. Basically it's a, these aren't the trades that are going to uh, move the needle a lot for, uh, for the Canadians. For, for you don't, I'd just be happy for him. If you got an opportunity to be on a team where he can be an everyday player. I mean, he's worked hard. He, he's worked hard to, to, to be an NHLer. He just doesn't fit on the Canadians roster at this point. I think, like you said, on a bottom feed team like like Arizona or something like that, uh, like a Minnesota or, or a team like that, he could end up having a pretty good season. You always see these players kind of out of nowhere have solid years on bad teams because someone has to play. That that's that's really the, the best case scenario for him, and and I, I hope he gets it honestly because he he's earned it. But it's it's just not going to happen with uh with the Canadians uh really so. Uh, aside from that, I mean, the the big thing coming up now, I think the big thing the Canadians fans have to be excited about now, I mean, I'm more excited for free agency, possibly, probably, because I do think we might have a real shot at Taylor Hall. But but first, the draft. The draft is coming up. It's not quite as exciting as it could have been, but we've got some playoff hockey instead. 16th pick coming up. Now, do you think we actually keep the 16th pick and not move it for someone else? Not in order to a bigger trade or whatever. I think so. I mean, I, you know, last week I was a little bit more on the fence. I think at this point we're probably going to draft someone with the pick. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think they're going to use the 16th pick. I mean, I think there's a lot of good players there. I think the way that the draft is going to, you know, picks 1 to 15 are going to play out. I think it's going to be really beneficial to the Canadians. Uh, the reason for that is that I think the, the thing that can, the Canadians probably need the most is a winger. Mm-hmm. In the organization, I mean, I think the Canadians have a lot of depth already in the organization at center. Um, same thing on defense for the most part. And typically, you know, especially in the, you know, in the first round, especially in the, in the, in the top end of the draft, centers and defensemen are much more highly valued. So I think a lot of good centers, guys like 
uh, Amarov, Dawson Mercer, um, potentially Alexander Holtz, Noel Gundler, guys that really have a lot of potential that could be really solid NHLers are probably going to fall, um, especially because there's a lack of defensemen in the draft. I think there are, some of these defensemen are going to go a lot higher than expected. So I think it's going to play out really into the Canadians' favor, and they're going to get a really solid prospect at 16. So unless they can make you know a really solid trade um, and get a guy that's going to help the Canadians right away and be a solid contributor, you know potentially like well probably like we already mentioned, I don't think Line is going to happen, but potentially a guy like Puliyarvi or something like that. I think they're probably going to draft at 16, and they're going to have a lot of solid options. Do you think maybe it's a situation where? They have maybe some potential trades up there, but if anything does happen, it's on trade day, and it's going to have a lot to do with how the trade, how the draft goes down, right? If if, if all of a sudden there's a there's a goaltender and a few defensemen that kind of some teams go off the board to go get, and then the few kind of stronger forwards are starting to drop, maybe that's when the Canadians choose not to make the move. Maybe that's even when another team is more excited about trading for the pick. Because the player they want is still there, I'm thinking maybe that's the situation, right? Like it's gonna if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen on draft day. And I'm very curious to see how the draft's gonna work. Anyway, I, mean, I think it'll happen. Like maybe maybe they'll happen draft day, but like before the draft. I mean, I don't think like they're gonna have a, a trade in place if things go like if no, like I, it's, no, I don't I don't mean it that way. I just mean that trade trades happen during the draft, right? So. There's trade talks that happen before and after and all uh, and then and during the and then sometimes a team all of a sudden a player they thought was going to be gone is available uh, or like a few of their players so they they're they're looking to trade up and that's when you see some trades happen. I mean there's a reason why trades happen on trade on draft day. It happens all the time every year. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I like I don't think just a big trade is just going to happen like that. Like maybe the day of the draft or the day before the draft. Um I don't think big trades typically happen during the draft. Uh, we but, got to Alex Tanguay on draft day a few years ago. That was a I don't big think it trade. was during the draft, though. It was. wasn't. I'm pretty sure was it was. It? I, I don't remember. That, that was back I, in 2000. I, I mean, point is, trades happen during the draft, Dustin, okay? How often have we seen Gary Bretman go up to the stage and get booed, and then he says, I have a trade to announce? And then, sure, I agree, we're often disappointed, and it's just pick 52 has been traded for pick 75 and pick 83. But there are legitimate trades that happen sometimes on draft day. It does happen. All right, I'll take, uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> You're going to take my – you just never watched the draft? <laughs> just said, usually it's picks for picks. Like, it's okay, a team's going to give up their second rounder to move up four spots. But they're not going to wait till 16th pick and then say, okay, I'm going to give you line A because the player okay, I want. Maybe to- not Patrick Line A, obviously. But, like, like that, we don't, neither of us thinks Patrick Line A trade is going to happen. But, like, there could still be a trade if it is going to happen for the pick. It might be on, on, uh, it might just be a, a, for picks too. Maybe a team is willing to, we know how much Bergman loves having a million picks, but although that doesn't really make sense for, if anything, it should be the opposite. We should trade up and move some of our second round picks. Like, do you think that's more likely? I could see maybe moving up a couple of spots. Um, I think, you know, there are probably a couple of guys. And, and again, I think the Canadians have been often linked to Dawson Mercer. I think he's definitely the guy that I would love to see the Canadians pick. He's the guy that, you know, the guys that we've had on the podcast already and a lot of guys on Hype's Twitter that know a lot about the draft are saying Dawson Mercer. He's a guy that, you know, he plays in the queue. 
Canadians are very familiar with him. Apparently, he's been interviewed by the Canadians at least twice already. Um, he's sort of been sneaking up in the draft, um, you know, in a lot of the draft rankings over the last couple of weeks. So potentially, you know, I mean, they have a lot. They have three second round picks, three fourth round picks. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if maybe they moved up a couple of slots. Like, you know, um, I, you know, it's it, it'll depend. But uh, yeah, I, I could. I, I think it's probably more likely that they move up a couple of spots than uh, than move down. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think a trade for a player could happen. And I'm sorry if you don't remember that that's happened before, but it has. It's okay. You don't have the best memory. Uh, but <laughs> then, assuming we are going to hold on to uh, to the pick. Uh, so you mentioned Dawson Mercer. Uh, is there is is that who you think they're going to get? Or if it's, it's just really a situation where they, they'd have to, to move up? Uh, assuming they draft 16th, is, do you have like a two or three guys that you think are most likely to be kind of in the range that uh, the Canadian, I mean, it's really hard to predict. Cause like last year, no one guessed Cole Caulfield because no one thought he was going to be available at that point. Right. So uh, I, this sounds like a draft where this could very well happen again. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, th- that's the thing. Anytime, anytime there's a draft, you know, there's sort of a, a consensus sort of like top 10, uh, you know, top, top 10 players. And you're, you're sort of crossing your fingers that one of them are going to fall last year. You know, last draft, we talked about it before. Three of the guys that I were hoping, you know, that might fall to, fall to the Canadians. You know, if one of the guys could fall, it would be amazing. It was Cole Caulfield, Alex Newhook, and uh, and Peyton Krebs. And all three of them were there for the Canadians. And they had their choice of all three of them. So, um, you know, guys that I think might not fall, but like, you know, just crossing your fingers. It's basically going to be guys like Alexander Holtz, Noel Gundler. Those are two guys that come to mind that I'd love to see. You know, if they fell a little bit, that would be fantastic um but i think the guy that that you know if if none of the big guys fall the guy that i'd i'd be looking at is going to be dawson mercer and i think again he's he's been interviewed at least twice by the canadians so i he's obviously well liked by the canadians um so i think that pick makes a lot of sense and i'd love to see him he's just what the canadians need in their organization a right winger a guy that i think has some pretty solid upside he's not going to be a 40 goal scorer but he's a guy that could potentially score 20 25 goals be a middle nine or a middle six type of guy. So that, and, you know, I think his, his ceiling is, is, is pretty high. Again, like I said, maybe 25 goal scorer. And I feel like his floor is also pretty high. But so, I mean, do I think, you think it's that realistic for him to be available at, uh, at 16? Uh, you know, at the beginning of September, I definitely would have said that he'd be available there, but uh, over the last couple of weeks, he's creeped up a lot on boards and he's, We've seen him in sort of like the, the 10 to 14 range. So we'll see. Um, but uh, I, I think it's definitely, it's more likely than guys like Alexander Holtz or, uh, or Noel Grundler probably. So I, I think, yeah, he, he will hopefully be there. And I think it's, it's probably realistic. And if the Canadians don't feel he's going to be there, then I could definitely see them moving maybe a second round pick to move up a couple of spots. You know, what's really, really annoys me is looking at these, uh, these mock drafts and so many people just put whichever French Canadians available at that point. It's, it's such a tired, like it, the Canadians haven't drafted a French Canadian, like reach for a French Canadian since maybe Louis Leblanc. That wasn't that much of a reach either. What is everyone's obsession with this? It's so annoying. 
<laughs> like you can't actually have a proper analysis for the Canadians on mock drafts. They all just pick whichever's the the the, the French Canadian that's still on the board. Yes, well, yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of true sometimes. Um, I mean, I don't think it's 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 that. Bad. I mean, I think any team wants to have local guys on their team, right? I mean, I don't think it's just a, a Montreal thing. I think. If you take a look at, uh, I don't know, the Vancouver Canucks, I'm sure they'd love to draft a guy from Vancouver every single season, but it's not necessarily realistic. Um, I mean, for, well, first of all, Dawson Mercer, he plays in the queue, but he's, he's from PEI, he's not from Quebec. No, 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 I'm not talking about Dawson Mercer. I'm talking about because Ma- Maverick Bork and uh, Hendrix Lapierre is, um, are two guys I'm seeing on a lot of mock drafts for the Canadians. But I feel like that would be a reach just because he's a French Canadian. From from uh, from the rankings I'm seeing from these players and all that. I mean, are these players that you find interesting at all? These two or uh, Maverick Bork's a guy, that, another guy that's actually climbed up the boards, uh, well, draft boards and, and draft rankings over the last couple of weeks as well. He was, you know, even just a few months ago, he was more in the 20 range, if if that, and he sort of crawled up. Um, so I could see him definitely going. Uh, I don't think he'd be that much of a reach. I mean, especially in the in the preseason in the queue, he looked really good. He's, I mean, he's he's a pretty dominant player. Um, and and, and you know how strongly I feel about this too. Great name, Maverick Borg is a fantastic <laughs> name. You know, I, I was a big fan of Broberg last year. Who, correct me if I'm wrong, is not a bad prospect right now. You know, so there's something to be a good name gives you confidence. You know, <laughs> Maverick Bork is a fantastic name. Pretty. That's a pretty good name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's that's great prospect analysis there, Maria. I mean, I'm telling you, <laughs> good names. You never know, Maverick. I mean, come on, you know this guy has all the confidence in the world for his name to be Maverick. It's a, a good name, but I mean, he'd be another good pick. I think you know he's a guy that uh, that has a pretty good ceiling too. I mean, he's a guy that can score, um, that has good hockey IQ. Uh, Hendrix Lapierre is actually. The guy at the beginning of last season was was a guy that I was hoping the Canadians were going to get, and then he ended up suffering two concussions during the season, and and sort of slowed down after that. Um, so I think he ha- he definitely has the skill to be a top 15 pick, and you know if if it was if it wasn't for the injuries, I definitely would have loved to see him with the Canadians. But because of the injuries, I definitely think he's going to slide down the draft board. Um, in the second round, however, if he's still there. Which I think okay. eventually the team's gonna gonna take a chance on him at the end of the at the end of the first. Um, if he was there in the second round, then definitely I'd I'd you know I'd, I'd pick him in a in a heartbeat for sure. And but it's really it's really about the injuries on. Uh, yeah. For- and is there is there any uh, college players around that uh, that range? Because I feel like the Canadians have been a big fan of college players lately. Uh well that's true. I mean the Canadians are have definitely historically been a fan of, of college players. And I mean, I think a big advantage to drafting the college players as well is the Canadians are already really hard pressed up against their contract limit, which is 50. And when you draft a college player, it gives you a little bit more time. You have you know four years essentially to sign them before they become free agents. Whereas if you draft a CHL player, it's only two uh, um, two two years you have their their rights. Um, I mean, one guy that comes to mind, but I don't. I don't particularly like him, and I don't particularly think he would be a great fit for the Canadians as Dylan Holloway. We've talked about him on the podcast before. He sort of reminds me of Ryan Paling, where he's a guy that, yeah, he's going to play in the NHL. He's a complete sort of player with some offensive upside, but he's not really – he's not a guy that's going to, you know, move the needle really. For well, he seems to be like the guy that – like reading up on him right now, it seems like the guy that the Canadians would have gone for three four years ago when all they cared about is drafting big centers. 
But I feel like we've moved on from this from that at this point. Exactly. Um, I don't think it makes sense at this point. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that's actually fallen quite a bit on draft boards um, over the last few months. At the beginning of the year, he was a potential top 10 pick. He was definitely in the top 12. And now, I mean, lately I've seen him around, you know, in the early 20s, which I think is more more realistic for him. Um, so, I mean, that's that's one college guy that comes to mind. Um, I don't I don't have all the draft picks in, or the, you know, the draft ranking in front of me. He's the one guy that came to mind at, at, from uh, from college hockey. But I don't think he makes any sense for the community. So then if you have to put money on it, you know, because I know how much you like to gamble. I do. <laughs> who do you think like what do you think is going to happen with this pick? And who do you think we're going to we're going to we're going to pick basically like if you had to bet. The Canadians are either going to move up or they're going to stay put, and if they are, who they're going to pick and who's going to still be available. Like, what, what, what's what's your? You, you can even give me two, three names. Like, you've already named some people, but like, you have to put money on a few names. Like, who do you think the Canadians are going to leave on with on draft day? Well, I think the Canadians at the end of the day, I think they're going to stay. Uh, they're going to stand still at 16, and they're going to draft the best winger available, the guy that's going to give them the best, um, you know, scoring scoring potential. Um, again, that's for me, that's going to be Dawson Mercer. The other guys that come to mind, if you would ask me like two weeks ago, I would have sent, uh, said Rodian Anurov, uh, who plays in the KHL would have been there. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, uh, well, just basically this week, he even scored a goal today. So he's, he's, he's definitely going to be probably off the board a little bit earlier, just based on his play over the last couple of days, the way that he's progressed. Um, other guys, like I mentioned, Alexander Holtz. So I think he's going to be probably off the board. You know, potentially even in in the top ten, um, but he could potentially fall a little bit. And then Noel Gundler, I think he would be. He has a whole lot of offensive potential. His the his skating has sort of come into question, though. I I really don't think that's much of an issue. And his defensive, he he can be a bit of a def- defensive liability as well. But I mean, I think that can that can definitely be corrected. So I mean, I think those are the four guys that really come to mind. Um, and I think you know the Canadians would be. I mean, any four of those guys the Canadians can pick, I, I definitely think they're going to be happy. And again, because of the lack of defensemen in this draft and just the, the the premium that's put on centers and defensemen in general, I think, you know, those wingers are going to fall. And, and potentially, I mean, the Canadians might even have, like last year, you know, the the, the pick, you know, the, the, the basically the pick of uh, the, the, that they want. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it sounds like you're talking about a lot of a lot of players that that can and maybe should be picked before the Canadians pick, but we see it every year. I mean, even though most people agree that hockey should be a best player available draft, you know, this isn't football where the player steps in the next year and to help your team where you should uh, draft based on need. In hockey, you really almost always should draft the best player available, especially in the first round. But every year we say, see it in teams kind of reach for players that are more of an organizational need. And the hope is that a lot of teams do that. And if a lot of teams do that, then if, if you if you have four guys that, that are probably in the 9 to 15 range, there's a good chance at least one of them is going to fall to 16. So, I mean, I, I, I'd be I'd be happy with that. But I, I would not be surprised, honestly. I think it's a pretty high chance that the Canadians end up moving the pick, whether it's before or on draft day, if, if I know how crazy that sounds, it's never happened before. Or even during the draft. <laughs> yeah, during the draft, never happened before. Gary Bettman has never gone up to the podium to announce a trade. So, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens. But I, I really wouldn't be surprised if they move the trade because I think 
Um, I think Bergevin sees the same thing everyone does, that the Canadians aren't that many. The the, the, the winning window is actually pretty pretty close, and it, it, the player that's picked with here most likely is not going to be part of the, the team with the current core that's going to potentially be a competitive team. I think I think he maybe tries to, to move the pick. You, 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 you never know. I mean, odds are he, he, he uses his pick in drafts, but I really think there's a good chance he moves the pick. Whether it's for a package deal with a with a huge piece or just a smaller piece that kinda kinda helps fill a hole that that that, that needs to be filled on the team. So 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 we'll see what happens, but very, very exciting stuff. And and I think if I'm not mistaken, you covered a lot of this uh with uh Costa Ronzocos too, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've talked about, uh, you know, we talked about some of the guys that he liked, uh, you know, potentially 16th overall. Uh, we also talked a little bit about Jeff Petrie, and, uh, and he also mentioned some of the guys that he would like to see the Canadians draft later in the draft. I mean, I think this is a really, you know, the, the, especially with the Canadians having three second round picks, they have right now they have 11 picks overall. So they have a lot of picks. It's a pretty solid draft, at least in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of good players to uh you know, to, to, to be picked. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they, they already have some pretty deep cupboards. Obviously we know, I mean, the prospect cupboards are, are full right now. They have, we're pretty stacked at all positions. I mean, I think, you know, wing is maybe where we could use a little bit more, especially some scoring wingers. So I think there's a lot of good, good players that Canadians could potentially draft even in the later rounds. I mean, guys that come to mind, one guy that, that really comes to mind, he was at actually, he went undrafted last year and was at the, the Habs development camp last year, and in my opinion was was maybe the best player at, at the uh, at the camp, uh, was Evgeny Aksentyuk, who spent this year in Flint. He was uh, one of the top picks, sixth overall, if I'm not mistaken, in the CHL import draft last year. He would be a great addition to the Canadians, uh, to the Canadians organization. He's a winger that can definitely score. A couple of other guys that come to mind, uh, another guy that comes to mind that, that definitely, I mean, would be on the Canadians' radar as well is Pavel Gogolev, a right wing with the Guelph Storm, played on the same line and tore it up with Cam Hillis. So obviously the Canadians are familiar with him. He's also another undrafted guy. He'd be a great pick. Um, just a couple other guys that come to mind as well. Uh, left winger Brett, uh, Brett Berard, who plays with the U.S. National Development Team. He'd be a great addition for the Canadians as well. Uh, Zion Nybeck uh, from HB71, the Allsvenskan in Sweden. Another guy, he's, he's sort of on the smaller side, but had a, a great sniper. So, I mean, there's lots, you know, there, throughout the draft, there's guys that are going to be able to pick. I think it's a really good draft for goalies as well. I mean, I love the, 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 the goalies this year, to be honest with you. I mean, even though, the you know, even people might think, well, why would the Canadians want to draft a goalie? They have Caden Primo, who's only 20, 21 years old. They drafted a goalie last year in the fifth round in Frederick DeCau. Uh, but I think, I mean, you can never have too many goalies. You know I love my goalies. And this is a great draft. And one of the top guys that comes to mind, he went undrafted last year, even though I said the Canadians should have drafted him in the fourth or fifth round, is Sammy Halave, who plays in the queue. He's a goaltender for one of the best teams in the queue, actually, in Sherbrooke. He'd be a great guy. Another guy that was just drafted into the queue, Jan Bednach, uh, drafted by Acadie Bathurst. I think he'd be a great pick. And another guy, Nico Dawes, who was the goaltender for uh, for the World Juniors for the Canadians last year, or well, for Team Canada last year, played with the Guelph Storm as well. Another guy that was undrafted. Love to see any of these guys. And finally, one of my favorites, Devin Levy. Uh, he was drafted by the Armada, so Joel Bouchard is definitely familiar with him. 
but he's actually going to play with the same team that uh, Northeastern, so the same team that uh, Caden Primo played for. So the Canadians are familiar and must, I'm pretty sure they're happy with the way Primo turned out. And I think they'll be happy with the way that Devin Levy turns out uh, as well for them. So I think he he could be a really late round picking, and I think he could be one of the steals of the draft. So I mean, there's a lot of great prospects out here, and I'm looking forward to the draft. It's like Christmas for me. Can't wait, and can't wait to talk about the the draft review after it happens. Yeah, it's a good point that the, you can you can never really have too many goaltenders. I mean, when when we uh, when we drafted Carey Price, a lot of people were confused as to why we did it because we already had uh, Theodore, and that's just one example. But if you're talking about the later round guys. They take a long time to develop anyways. You're not drafting a goaltender in the sixth round to come play on, the, on your team in the next one or two years. You, you're, you, it's, it's to build the prospect pool for the, for the goaltenders. So it's, it's, it's always good to, to add to, to that too. And yeah, looking forward to the, to the review too. It's, it, it's always exciting when you actually know which players are picked because then you can really do a deep dive on each of those guys because – now, what am I going to do a deep dive on 500 guys? No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for Trevor Timmons to tell me who is good. And then I'm going to do research on those guys. That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll be checking out the draft all both days of the draft rounds one through seven. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Habs forum. We'll be tweeting as the picks happen for sure. And, uh, and we'll be giving you all that info. Um, yeah, so and look out for the next podcast because uh, that'll come probably the day after the draft, so we can give a bit more details uh, on that. And uh, aside for that, I think uh, just uh, time to move to the Costa Ronzocos uh, uh, talk. Uh, did you have anything uh, you want to to say just before we we throw to that? No, no, it was a great uh, great talk with Costa. We've had him on the on the show before, so it was uh, it was definitely a great talk. He had some uh, some great insight on some on some prospects and also on the Jeff Peachy co- contract, which obviously he was happy about it as well as I think any sane Canadians fan is. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely give him a listen and uh, and he works with uh, the Puck Authority and also Canadians prospects. So make sure to check out uh, his his uh, prospect rankings. Do you know his uh, Twitter handle? Um, it's, uh, at Ron T's, if I'm not mistaken, but anyway, we'll put that in the, uh, in the description of the podcast and definitely give him a follow, check him out. I'm sure he's going to be active during the draft as well. So give us a follow, you know, make, uh, make sure you follow us and follow him and follow, of course, Marco D'Amica that we had on last week. All right, great. So thanks for listening guys and stick around for Casa Ronzocos. We'll talk to you guys again next week. All right, so I'm here with Costa Ronzokos from the Puck Authority and Canadians Prospects. Thanks a lot for being with us today, Costa. Absolutely, my pleasure. So, uh, well, the first first big uh, big news, recent news here in Ca- in, uh, in Canadians Twitter, of course, is the recent re-signing four years, six point two five million per year of Jeff Petrie. Uh, what do you think of the re-signing? Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I was expecting them to sign them at maybe five, six years and north of seven million because, you know, we we know how valuable he is to the Montreal Canadiens. And so, when you look at the four years at six point two five, I think it's perfect in terms of length. And I think, you know, the the small raise that he took, I think it fits perfectly with what Montreal's trying to do. And then, you know, you look at him as uh, pretty much the number two defenseman behind Shea Weber. He fits the right side. Left side looks like it's going to be fine. I think it's good for both parties. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, I thought I thought the same thing like you just said. It would be five, six-year deal, at least $7 million, I thought. So, I mean, I, I, I don't see how anyone could not be happy with this contract. I mean, Jeff Petrie, I think he's, he's such an important player to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, just as important, I would say, to as Shea Weber. So it's it's definitely been a great signing. And now, of course, we know Joel Edmondson is going to be here for the next few years as well. What do you think of that defensive pairing? Do you think that's what we're going to see moving forward? You know what? It, it's a funny thing that you ask because a lot of people will ask, you know, why is Joel Edmondson here? They have Ben Chirac. He didn't play very well in Carolina. But, you know, every team has a different playing style. And Montreal has a very simple playing style, at least defensively, to St. Louis, where Joel Edmondson was a really important piece. And so you put Joel Edmondson with a guy like Jeff Petrie, you know, one player could be the puck mover, he can bring up the pace like Jeff Petrie, and then you have Joel Edmondson who can be there, be the last line of defense in case of potential two-on-ones, and I think there's going to be good complementary between both guys. You know, a lot of people say, oh, is he going to be another call Alzer? I don't think so. I think Edmondson's a bit more mobile, a little more, well, not a little more, I think he's much more physical, so he could you know, stop plays from entering the zone. To me, I think it, it looks good on paper. We have a couple of months before the, the next season starts, so I am optimistic about it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I mean, I think a lot of people last season they weren't very happy with the Ben Sherratt signing. They said a lot of the sim, a lot of the same things basically that they're saying right now about the Edmondson contract. And I think that worked out pretty well as well. I mean, you know, Ben Sherratt looked pretty good during the season. He had had some downs, of course, but for the most part, I think it was a pretty good year. And definitely exciting to see what uh, what they can do together, Edmondson and Petrie. Um, so, so we had you on, uh, I think, back in July to talk about some prospects that maybe the Canadians could target with their first-round pick. Obviously, at that point, we were expecting it to be the ninth overall pick. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you, you brought up some guys like Jack Quinn, uh, Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi. I think it's pretty safe to say we're not going to uh, be able to draft any of those guys at 16, right? Look, you never know. We said the same thing about Cole Caulfield last year and and he fell to us in a perfect situation. So in an ideal world, you'll have a Jack Quinn fall to you or someone from the top 10, but chances are they won't. Now, we'll all uh, be happy if it does happen, though. Is, uh, is there any... Well, that's, that's actually a good point about Cole Caulfield. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought he would be there at 15 last year when the Canadians picked him. Is there any guys that you see maybe in that top 10 that maybe could fall to the Canadians at 16? I think the one guy that has, well, actually not the one guy, but I think the biggest, um, the person who has the biggest chance of falling, I think, is Holtz. Um, not that he's not good, but I think everybody around him has cemented themselves or are cementing themselves right now. And so when it comes down to who has a chance to fall, I think Holtz has probably the biggest chance to fall. But it doesn't mean that he will fall necessarily. Okay, that, that that would definitely be a great uh, a great scenario if, if Holtz were to fall to the Canadians. Um, so, assuming none of the top ten, you know, none of the big guys do fall to the Canadians, who would you like to see the Canadians pick at sixteen? Well, sixteen is what we were last year with Caulfield at fifteen, so it's one. It's only one position uh, of dropping. Um, I'd say your your best bet would be a guy like Dawson Mercer. Noel Gundler is another option. He uh, he plays over in Europe. Um, you have Rodin Amaroff who plays in the KHL. Uh, there's a couple of wingers. It's mostly a winger 
um, you know, draft mid mid first. I would say winger with maybe one or two defensemen. I think the biggest W would be Seth Jarvis. He has a very Braden Point style of play, but I think he's gone around 11, 12. If I had to put money on one player, I would say Dawson Mercer's Montreal's pick at 16. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think Dawson Mercer makes a lot of sense. He fits an organized organizational need. Um, obviously, he's you know the, the Canadians. I would imagine are very familiar with him. He played in Chicoutimi, or at least finished the season in Chicoutimi, where the Canadians had two prospects this year in Samuel Hood and uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard. So uh, I think he would be a great pick, and and definitely if Lundell or uh, Alexander Holtz are there. I think those would be three amazing picks. Seth Jarvis as well, if he could fall, that would be uh, that'd be great as well. Um, so the Canadians have 11 picks as of right now. Or actually, to, to get back to the first round pick, um, um, Marc Bergevin was on uh, TSN 690 with uh, Tony Marinero today. Um, and he said that he'd be open to trading the first round pick. Do you see him making a big move and potentially trading that pick? You know, I think if there's a time for Mark Bergevin to trade a first-round pick, I think it's now. You know, over 2017, 2018, and 2019 drafts, the prospect pool was very, very limited in terms of upside. And so with, you know, the 2017 draft where they drafted guys like Kaling, Josh Brooke, Kiel Fleury, uh, Primo, and then 18 with uh, Kotka Niemi, uh, Romanov, 2019 with Caulfield and Shrubo and these guys, they really stocked up, you know, at least certain positions like center and defense. And so if Mark Bergevin had a trade for, let's say, a scoring right winger, we'll just bring him up for, for the sake of, of conversation. But let's say Liney, right? Liney is young enough where he fits your organization only today, tomorrow, and possibly for the next 10 years. He is that good. He has the skill set. And so if you had to trade a first-round pick and possibly one of your top two or three best prospects, it's a guy like Lainey who's barely cracked his early 20s. So, yes, I think if there's a time for Bergevin to trade uh, a really good prospect and a pick and a player, it's now. It's, it's at this point in the, the retool. It's the, you know, the, over the couple of years we've been on a downhill, so we've been accumulating prospects. Now, when he has a, a wide range of options to trade to another team, it would be now. If you have, if you had to put money on it, are the Canadians next week drafting 16th overall or not? I think they're going to draft. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So the Canadians, of course, have at the moment 11 picks in the, in the draft next week. Uh, so 10 in the later rounds from t- uh, rounds two to seven. What guys uh, are you? Do you really like uh, that you would like to see the Canadians draft? Well, we've you know. Mostly everybody has Twitter, at least who follows you and me and the, and the Habs forum. So, you know, we talk about top 60, top 90 prospects on, on a daily basis. But the real value comes in picks 100 to picks 200. And so I got like Patrick Gay, who plays over in the QMJHL. He's a prospect I really like. He's, he's a lot smaller than most players, but, you know, last year they drafted Red Fitlet, who's a very quick and shifty player and he got drafted in the fifth round and I think they can go back into the same mold with a guy like like Gay who's uh, who's an offensive player. He hasn't shown it in terms of points on the stat sheet but he does have that offensive ability and he's really good on the left half low on the power play. So I think, you know, down the line he could be like sort of like a power play specialist for them. Uh, another player I really like is uh, Dmitry Vichnikov who, who plays over in Europe and he's got 
Um, you know, he's got a lot of good skating uh, abilities. He's really, really good. He has really good vision. And he's also very sound defensively. So I know the team likes to have balanced players, but if you can have a defensive player who's really good at shutting down uh, opposing players, I think he's a good option. And uh, lastly, I think one of the players that I really like is Cross Hannah. He plays over in the WHL. And he has really, really good creativity. He's got a lot of skill, really good hockey IQ. I know a lot of people say, you know, how do you measure hockey IQ? It's the type of plays he makes when he's in, you know, tough situations. He has a really good release. And I think that's one thing Montreal is really looking at is to get players who have extremely good shots. Um, you know, for example, a guy like Cole Caulfield uh, has a tremendous shot, probably the best shot amongst the prospects in the organization. And I think they want to add players who have really good shots or at least uh, accurate shots. And so those three guys, I would say, are, are players that not many people know, but are, are likely to get drafted on day two in about a week. All right. Yeah, I definitely think I uh, think those are some good options. Um, so the Canadians, uh, obviously, you mentioned it earlier. Over the last uh, two, three, even four drafts, they've they've done really well. They've done great a great job of retooling of of really filling the prospects cupboard. Um, what what positions or what, what type of players do you see that the that the Canadians maybe have a need in this draft? You know, not to put too much emphasis on need, but I do believe that bringing in some type of size is uh, not necessarily a, a need, but it's something every team needs, you know. Um, uh, like, not drafting that guy like Michael McCarron where they drafted him way too early for something that he really didn't have potential for. I see a guy who's in a 6'1", 6'2", who can grow in terms of gaining weight, um, guys who can, you know, play sort of like a power forward style. So I think size and, and strength is a... It's something they'll be looking at. I believe that offensive abilities and offensive awareness is going to be something they're going to be looking at. So I think right winger or winger in general is going to be the, the target position. And I think something like right defense, um, again, not to put too much emphasis on a, on a specific uh, specific uh, side, but I do think that those are the two. Right wing and right D are the two uh, positions that they'll probably look at filling this year. They did less D last year, and they did a pretty good job at that. And they've done well at acquiring centers over the couple of years. So even if it doesn't come through draft, I think they're going to focus hard on getting young wingers and young right defensemen, potentially a tree. Um, but I think uh, in a week, week and a half, they'll be very heavy on, on wing and, and right defense. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that makes sense. I mean, we, we all know all the great prospects the Canadians have on the left side. I mean, we know Romanov's going to be playing, hopefully playing for the Canadians this season. They have other, uh, lots of other guys as well. Jordan Harris, though he can play on the right side. Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlander, Gianni Fairbrother. So there is a bit of a hole there on the right side. I mean, they do have guys like Josh Brook and Cale Fleury. But uh, I think that definitely makes sense to, uh, to maybe stock up a little bit more on the right side. And like you said, I think they could, uh, you know, especially with 11 picks in this draft, they really have the, uh, you know, the opportunity to maybe try to go get, you know, some, some boomer bust picks, uh, you know, try to take a home run swing and maybe get some, get some high skilled players maybe later on in the draft. So I, I definitely think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yep. Uh, did, anything you wanted to add to that, uh, Costa? 
yeah, just to just to continue on what you said about drafting boom or bust players, you know, like I mentioned before, if there was a year to trade, you know, maybe your first round pick it would be this year. And adding to that, if there was a year to draft high potential players, just give an example like Jeremy Poirier who who has high, high offensive abilities but, you know, lacks sort of that defensive awareness and the defensive ability. But if you can find a way to get a player to play a more sound defensive game but has the abilities to score a lot of points offensively as a defenseman, you go and you make that pick if he's available, let's say, in the second round. Or, or players who have, you know, 40 goal potential but lack something defensively or maybe not great skating-wise. I think this is the year where you can draft maybe three of those guys and uh, just, you know, shoot some darts on the board and hopefully you hit at least one or two of them. That's what they really need. You know, they have good depth. Uh, they have players who have second, third line potential, four, five, six D, but they need players who have that potential first line or elite scoring abilities. And uh, I think they're going to come out with at least one or two boom or bust players, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially when you have all these picks. I mean, you know, three second round picks and a guy like Jeremy Poirier, who was definitely a very polarizing prospect, not a, not a prospect that I'm very high on because, as you mentioned, yes, he has a ton of offensive potential, but defensively, he he can be a, a bit of a liability, but he could definitely be uh, an, an interesting pick for the Canadians in the second round, seeing as they have those three second round picks, they can take a, take a bit of a gamble with a guy like Poirier, who could, you know, if he does pan out, if he can round out defensively, then he could definitely be a steal in the in the second round. Um, with the Canadians having three three picks in the second round, do you uh, do you do you think they'll keep those three picks, or, or maybe move them in a trade before the draft, or maybe look to trade down and, and get more picks? Uh, what, what's your feeling? I, I think if there's one pick to move up, would be probably that pick they got from St. Louis uh, in the, the Scandella trade. I think that's the one they would probably look to move. But unless they have a deal for a player that involves one of their two early second-round picks, I think they're going to keep all three. Um, I don't think... I think this draft is relatively relatively deep on day two. It's a lot of good defensemen, a lot of good wingers in that 35 to 45 range, and they're just on the outside. So, personally, I think they're in a prime situation to leave with two really good players at, yeah, you know, in the middle of the, of the second round. So I don't think they're necessarily going to move one of them, but if there is one pick, I believe it's that St. Louis pick a bit later on. All right, so we get, so we're about a week away from the draft now. Um, do you think? I mean, Bergevin, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk that that maybe that Bergevin could make a trade in the next week or so before the draft. Do you think? I mean, he's already shown that he's willing to make some moves by getting Jake Allen, by getting Joel Edmondson, and and re-signing Petrie. Do you do you see him making uh, making a big splash either before the draft or after the draft? Um, you know what? That's a very good question because there are a lot of teams like like you can see. Have to be cap wise, they have to shut salary. You know, are they going to shut salary in a week? Are they going to do it in two weeks? Nobody really knows. And with a flat cap, it's you know, there's a lot of teams who have either internal caps or or are already at the cap. So I don't I don't necessarily know that he will make a move by the draft. But you know, Montreal is in one of those situations where they have no internal cap and they have a lot of cap space both this year and for the next couple of years. You know, I look at their their cap situation next year, they only have three established NHL or sign. And all three players are Jonathan Joy at 5.5 million, Paul Byron at 
and Nick Suzuki. You know, so that's not a lot of money tied up to forward, so if they could make a big deal um, or sign you know, a guy like Taylor Hall, I'm not sure if it's in Bergevin's card, they can definitely do it. They have the money this year, next year, and for years to come. They have that flexibility at least to make that decision. So I think those trades are going to come a little bit deeper. I was going to say in the summer, but since you know this whole uh, this whole year was a bit later, I think later on into the into the beginning of the winter before the season starts, I think that's when we're going to see teams making bigger moves. So I'd say maybe wait two to three weeks from now. I think we might start seeing bigger moves. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think the Canadians are are. You know, one the maybe the the team in the best position right now because of all the things you just mentioned. They don't have that internal cap. They have lots of cap room, and we know they have the assets as well. They have lots of prospects that you know if Bergevin is willing to make a move. I think there's definitely teams that are in a bad position. Well, maybe not a bad position. They're not in in an ideal situation, especially with the with free agency coming up. So they're definitely in a great position. It's going to be an exciting off season for sure. Um, so, so Costa, tell us where. Uh, so, obviously, the draft is next week. Where can we uh, catch some of your uh, some of your pre-draft coverage? So, most of you know, I would say the majority of my content is usually posted on Twitter, whether it's discussions or or just um, you know information. But I do uh, contribute to two different sites. Uh, the one of them is the the Puck Authority. We do a much broader uh, you know we have a much broader reach. We cover the NHL, the AHL, and, and all the leagues around. And so we have a lot of content coming out for the draft. And the other one is the Canadian Prospects, where I mean, a couple of other guys like Josh uh, take care of uh, a lot of Canadians' content. And we we have stuff coming out by, at least by the end of uh, this off season, we'll have uh, a couple of player profiles, at least for this year's draft and, and other teams around. So those are the two, uh, the two websites. And then Twitter, like I said, I'm active on a daily basis. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. You're always a great follow on Twitter and definitely looking forward to seeing what you have to say after the draft about the Canadians draft pick. So, uh, well, thanks a lot, Costa, for doing this again. And, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll have to hopefully have you on again uh, once the draft is over and we can uh, take a look at who the Canadians have drafted. Absolutely. It's a very, very exciting time. Draft year is always really fun and hopefully they come out with, uh, it's not a lot of good prospects. I need something to talk about, uh, trade wise or other. Absolutely, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks for sure. Well, thanks a lot again, Costa, for doing this. Uh, we really appreciate it. No problem. Have, have a good one.